Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I think this show's a, I don't know, a couple minutes earlier than the last one. I honestly can't keep track. Kiddos feel a little bit better here for those of you that were, I don't know, reached out, were curious. Day to day of the Bespris household is not really your problem, but at the same time, it kind of becomes your problem if you listen to and or enjoy this podcast in any way. So uh, hopefully, hopefully we're within one to two days of normalcy over here. But what the hell is normalcy? Those of you that listen to this show that have like a couple, one, two, heaven help you more, young children, you know. Anyway, we got a Tuesday to cover. Um, Actually, a couple of really interesting storylines in a short Tuesday recap. We got big Wednesday on tap. Oh, boy. 11-gamer coming up tonight. Everything on the docket. So what I'd like to do, first of all, normally I'd like to try to have these types of days with guests. And in a given week, I think that'll start to happen more often when we're not dealing with sick kid apocalypse over here. But uh, this week we don't, so you're just sort of stuck with me for now, and uh, we can just dive right on in. First of all, hi everybody, welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, I am Dan Baspris, thank you guys for listening as always, thank you once again to the 20 some odd of you that threw reviews on the podcast the other day, I sort of jokingly said that uh, that I was, <laughs> I was hoping we could bury a bad review and you guys took me very seriously and for that I uh, I love you so if you have a second if you want to throw yours on top of the pile fantastic please do so fantasy NBA today the name of the show uh, iTunes is the spot where most of this stuff goes down so uh, flip one over there I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter I think most of you have followed me by now but I've done you know quite a few of these kind of PSAs on the show, you need to be on it. I know that there's all this Elon stuff going on. Try to ignore it as best you can. Don't follow a bunch of accounts that are going to populate your feed with crap or things that are going to get you all upset. Um, Just follow the fantasy stuff. Just follow fantasy and make sure you set your settings, whether it's on TweetDeck or regular Twitter or on the app on your phone. Make sure to set your settings so you don't see a bunch of stuff that you didn't follow, you didn't subscribe for or to. And then follow me, at Dan Vespers and Ethos Fantasy BK, our benevolent overlords here. Sports Ethos, running this fantasy show, well, since we were hoop ball. And then, I think I did the first episode of this pod. It wasn't even on a feed in, like, the middle of 2016. And I think we became, we became real, like a real show in 2017, early in 17 or very late in 16. It doesn't matter. Uh, let's dive into the Tuesday stuff. Four-game card, four-game recap. Chicago beat Brooklyn. Nets fired Steve Nash after we did yesterday's show. And, you know, it's a whole tree falls in the forest thing. The the running gag on Twitter, which I got in on, is that Nash was really happy to be done with it. And I, you know, as silly and all the joking, whatever, it's probably true. Because the Nets are an absolute dumpster fire. In every sense of the word. I am a Laker fan. And so I know what a dumpster fire looks like. And the Lakers are 1-5, but I'd rather be the Lakers right now. Because then the Nets announced that on top of all the Kyrie stuff, which you guys know this about me, I am Jewish, so I'm not super thrilled about all these things. Uh, Now it sounds like they're bringing in Ime Udoka as the new head coach who just got suspended 
for misconduct for a year. An unprecedented suspension by the Boston Celtics after he just took the team to the finals. So, like, if you were thinking, you know, this is a guy that should get some special treatment, maybe that was the special treatment. Well, you want to talk about special treatment, dude just landed another head coaching gig. I do, like, if you're going to go tinfoil hat mode on this stuff, I do for a moment wonder, hey, or the Nets looked at it, Sean Marks looked at it, he was like, who's the one coach we could bring in right now that would take the spotlight off of our player who has made our franchise look like a joke? And they were like, well, <laughs> we, could, we could go get the guy who's actually in trouble right now. I don't know whether this is legal I don't know what's going on behind the scenes on that one, but he's certainly in he was in serious job trouble. So, um, really great, really, uh, that's sarcasm. I don't know how well sarcasm comes across on, on podcasts. I think you can hear it in the tone of voice, right? It's not like, it's not like the written word, but the Nets alienating their female fan base, alienated their Jewish fan base, um... Rough, rough times out there. Unless you're Kevin Durant, who just quietly keeps on dunking. Kyrie had a bad ball game, which was kind of surprising, given, I don't know, I assume that his relationship with Steve Nash was somewhat strained, but whatever. KD now number three on a per-game basis, trailing only Steph Curry and the Superman known as Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Holy smokes, has he been something else this year. And he did it again. But the bigger story in this game, forget KD and Kyrie, because they'll, you know, as long as they're on the floor, they'll be fine, ultimately. The bigger story, I thought, was, look, if, if this really is true, if Royce, or if uh, Ime Doka really is about to be the next, announced as the next head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, Royce O'Neal's job seems very safe. We know Udoka's going to prioritize defense, toughness, that's what he brings to the table. He's also brought to the table some pretty damn good shooting so far this year. Knocking down a bunch of three-point. Maybe the percentage isn't all that great, but he's hitting two and a half three-pointers a game. O'Neal's turnovers are decent, but they're not the lone reason he's number 66 in nine cat right now. I think that's something that we really need to focus on. So, like, and I'll get to this later in the show. I love Cam Johnson too. Tobias Harris is another example of this. Guys that have like half a turnover per game are being elevated a lot in a category that a lot of teams kind of don't really pay super close attention to. And so that value is lessened a little bit. I still think you should try to not necessarily win turnovers, but be competitive in them. But it's not as valuable. It's not as it's much easier to kind of swing that one. So a super low turnover guy doesn't have quite as much value against the the mass pool. But Royce O'Neal is actually like, in there with all of the role players, maybe even a tiny bit higher than some of the others at over one turnover per game. What he's done so far has been the combination of steals, blocks, threes, assists actually have been okay for him. And then yesterday he did it again, 20 points, five boards, three assists, a steal, four three-pointers, and he actually did it on good shooting numbers. That's part of why his numbers jumped up. He was in the mid-70s, now he's in the mid-60s. He's a firm hold. I don't even think that it's a question anymore. Like, he's he's his rank on the year. He's one slot in front of Jalen Brunson right now. He's two slots in front of Zion. And I know that, again, turnovers are going to play a role in that stuff. But, like, they do matter. 
And he's been good in other stuff, too. We keep thinking the wheels are about to come off, but, you know, he's played in all eight ball games, and he's been good in pretty much all eight of them. Anyway, Chicago side, Io, number 62 in nine cat. He was another guy who got panic dropped the first game when Levine came back and he wasn't as good. And uh, then he was like, no, guys, guys, I'm good. I'm good. You just need to give me a second to get settled here. What's my role with the team built this way? The name I actually want to mention in, in on the Chicago side is Patrick Williams, who has decidedly not been good so far this year, but has actually been good for like two ball games in a row. He's still, well, uh, more like like maybe two out of three. It's hard to really quantify because the numbers weren't terrific in the previous one, but there's something improving there. I would argue... Over the last two games, the number you really are looking at is he played 30-plus minutes in each of those. And you're almost not going to be able to find a way to sort your rankings to where he comes out looking good. But over the last week, which I think is three games for him, I think that probably includes the game on October 28th. Does it also include the game on the 26th? I can't keep my week straight. 26th would have been, what, last Wednesday? So, yeah, I guess that might count that one, too. He's just inside the top 100, despite a high turnover count. Nine turnovers over those four games. That's relatively high for a guy whose his role is what it is. The reason his rank has been slightly better, one, he's shooting 56%, unsustainably high there, but... 1.8 steals, 0.8 blocks. That's what's getting the job done right now. And more than anything, 63 minutes over his last two ball games, two steals, three blocks, 10 boards, not scoring much. He doesn't need to be added, but we are closer. Throw him on your watch list. Don't be super surprised if this is the start of him just being like a little bit better, being kind of a nice 3 and D type of dude. With some upside, if somebody goes down, if Levine goes down, if DeRozan goes down, DeMar's been pretty durable these days, but anyway, it's uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Warriors lost in Miami. Golden State has hit a rough patch here. They got off to a quick start, and then I don't know what you could say is like kind of catching up with them, but you know, finals hangover is a real thing. They had the adrenaline of the first couple games of the season, and now it's kind of worn off a tad. I think they're, they lost three in a row. Is that right? Or is it more than that? I think it's three uh yeah they have not won on the road yet they're oh and four away from the chase center which still struggling to get used to but at the very least andrew wiggins just keeps sticking in my face he's like oh you want to sell high on me huh i'm just gonna stay here inside the top 20 as long as humanly possible and the beauty of course is that with every passing game that he puts up decent numbers you can still, you have a better chance of getting a top 50 guy back for him. But we know the deal with Wiggins. We know where he's going to end up. And even in a very good case scenario, we know the sort of the topmost markings on that. Well, at least Steph's been awesome. Figured that field goal percent would bounce back, and it has, and he triple-doubled here. Draymond Green, uh, you know what? Look, I faded him, and he's been a little bit better the last couple of ball games, but he's still outside the top 100. I just, I don't know, man. Off a championship, I had no faith that he would have the same motor 
The guy on the Warriors, I, I'm going through all these sort of non-stories there. I, Wiggins is a story. Clay Thompson, I think, is the story on the Warriors. 19 points, three boards, two assists, a steal block, four three-pointers. The field goal percent was still terrible in this one. And so that now has continued to create this, this window. Because he's not even inside the top 200, largely because he cannot throw a stone in the ocean. But we know what Clay is. He's not going to shoot 35% all season long. The other stuff is kind of where it needs to be. Like shots per minute is where it needs to be. Rebounds, assists are always kind of where they are. He's a good, historically has been a good defender, but it hasn't always really translated to steals and blocks. Those are a little bit low. Although on the block side, if you sort of adjust for the fact that he played not many minutes at the beginning of the year, that's kind of on par with the career number. Steals are low right now. I'll give you that. Steals are low. He's at 0.3 per game, and he's more like a 0.8, 0.9 in starters, guys. So you figure that'll probably come up a little bit. But then it really all just comes down to shooting percentage. He's a 46% career shooter, who this year is shooting 35% overall and under 30 from three-point land, where career, he's close to 42. Maybe he doesn't come all the way back, but it's pretty easy to spot what's going wrong for him and to say, look, like here's my guy who's overperforming. Find someone who has some name value in the 100 range and go get him. Mm, who might that be? Julius Randle at 106. I know that you're changing your team makeup there a little bit. Benedict Matherin would be a really interesting one to, sh- to send out because his game profile is actually not that different from Clay. Clay probably ends up beating him in number of three-pointers per ball game. Mitchell Robinson, again, kind of changes your team build, but D'Angelo Russell at 109. Spencer Dinwiddie, people might still want him. Trey Jones. There are a lot of names. Monty Morris. I think these guys could probably get you Clay Thompson. Gordon Hayward might get it done. Jordan Clarkson would probably get it done. People not realizing how bad he's been field goal and free throw wise. I mean, maybe he's a little bit of a he might he might have some ceiling there. Kelly Oubre probably doesn't get it done. You know, you're looking for guys that are performing where you expect or slightly above it. Hell, send his teammate out. Send Draymond to go get Clay. I think he'll be better at the end of the year. On the Miami side, Max Struess, another really good ball game. Four three-pointers here. He's just gunning off the bench right now. Tyler Hero got hurt. Caleb Martin just wasn't very good. And so I think we can make a few adjustments to our heat speculating, which is Martin can be a watchless guy. I think you can drop him. Nobody's going to pick him up if you still have him on your team. Gabe Vincent collected a lot of the Tyler Hero minutes in yesterday's game. He is actually a really good basketball player, but usage-wise, he's going to be too far down the board here because when Hero goes down, it's not like Vincent just slots into his bucket. It's that Adebayo gets more shots, Butler gets more shots, Lowry gets more shots, Struce gets more shots, and then Vincent's like, all right, I'll take what's left, and he got seven. Seven shots in 31 minutes is just sort of not going to get it done, especially if he's not going to be the main point guard. He might be playing some point guard, but he's not the point guard. Lowry had nine assists, Butler eight, Bam six. So again, there just sort of isn't the upside there when all of those dudes are in the mix. On the Struess front, he's an excellent shooter, but that's literally all he does. He's at number 102 right now. And he's had some bad games mixed in, so it's, you know that number is a little bit deflated. 
Uh, if you're looking for three-pointers, I think he's a pretty reasonable stream. Just be aware, this is a bench guy who, if he comes in and he's not hitting his shots, he, he becomes like Duncan Robinson last year. They'll just get marginalized. So far, he's sort of hit his shots. Kudos, by the way, to Duncan Robinson, who also hit his shots yesterday. Uh, but if you're not bringing a ton of other stuff, Spoh's going to go to somebody else. I can't believe what Shea's doing. It's it's nuts. 34-4-6. Five more defensive stats in this ballgame. He's just like, he's running away with the number one spot right now. That said, uh, I don't think we can assume he's going to shoot 98% at the free throw line. He was at 1,000 prior to this ballgame. He missed his first free throw of the year here. Uh, he's not going to average close to four defensive stats a game either. I mean, this is these are, you know, like Anthony Davis-level defensive numbers. Something's going to come down. Oklahoma City continues to accidentally win ball games. The Thunder are 4-3 and three on the year so far, and they want Victor. So it's this is a very difficult recommendation. You have to sell on Shea and aim for a second rounder. I know he's running away with this top slot, and I know in the short term you lose out there, but you get out from under uh, just a series of terrifying moments that right now, I mean, he's he is that team. He's the whole damn team. Alexei Pokashevsky was better, but, you know, good luck. I like that the Thunder are basically just a game of roulette on who's going to play and who's going to do stuff besides Shea. Josh Giddy came back, played 25 minutes. They'll ramp him up to, to full speed, so he'll be the other guy. But then between Poku and then Jeremiah Robinson Earl had a, letter, a better ball game, Trey Mann finally had a game where his rebounds and assists didn't match. He was okay, but, like, nothing to write home about. Jalen Williams was bad. I had people asking me, like, oh, should I hang on to Jalen Williams and drop X player who's top 70? No, no, you drop the guy who's on the team that won't play anybody more than 26 minutes consistently. Once a week, everybody gets a chance to play 30, and then the rest of the time they play 22, and it's disastrous. There is a reason why the Thunder don't have a bunch of dudes inside the top 100 in fantasy. It's different than the reason the Mavs don't have a bunch of dudes in time inside the top 100. On the Mavs, guys are just, like, fantasy profile-wise, there aren't very many good ones on that team. For the Thunder, there actually are some dudes that have an okay fantasy profile. Uh, they just don't play. The one dude that does play, Lou Dort, has a terrible fantasy profile. But, like, Poku has a good one. But he's averaging 21 minutes a game, and his percentages are trash. Trey Mann could be okay, and he's up to 27 minutes a game, but his percentages aren't very good. Baisley's percentages aren't very good. We don't know much about Jalen Williams, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl. We really don't know a ton about him, but he's playing 17 minutes a game. There's just nobody there playing. They're not playing. Two dudes on the team that average more than 30 minutes a game right now, and Giddy will probably get there, so he's the other one. But, yeah, this is your headache, man. If you guys want to dive down that OKC rabbit hole, you have at it. But I want nothing, nothing, I say, to do with it. Hey, shout out Wendell Carter Jr. Huge ball game for him. Um, now, it doesn't change anything. He was drafted, like, near 70-80, and that's where he is right now. Bowl, bowl, 13-12 with four more blocks. Easily the craziest thing happening all season long. He's number 60. 
And he's must start. He's on his way up right now. His minutes have actually trended upward. Franz Wagner uh, finally had a better ball game doing a little more point guard stuff there. Paolo Boncaro uh, made his free throws, but overall dropped. He's now 114. Fell about another 10 slots. Life's tough, man. Life's tough as a rookie if you can't make all your shots. He didn't shoot the three ball, really, either. Terrence Ross got hurt in this ball game. It was sort of a matter of time, I and mean, he kind of doesn't really belong on an Orlando team that I thought had kind of good feelings heading into the year, but now they're turning into the bad vibes. One in seven so far. Yikes. Feels like they should have run into a second win. I guess we could say that about the Lakers. They are badly missing point guard play, and the hope is that Jalen Suggs can bring a little bit of stability there, but he's not like he's a veteran. Suggs should be added despite a, uh, an atrocious shooting game. Nine points, two boards, four assists, two steals, a block, and a three-pointer. Like, if you... I don't think he's going to shoot well, but let's say 40% would basically double the number of field goals he made in this game. So, you know, what, an extra three? Now you're talking about 15 points, 16 points if there's a three-pointer involved. 15, 2, and 4 with three defensive stats. Yeah, I mean, that'll get it done. And he probably plays more as his body gets right. So I think pick him up. I don't know that you just start Suggs immediately upon adding him, but, I mean, the runway is wide the hell open right now because Cole Anthony's nowhere near returning, and we haven't really gotten much of an update on Markel Fultz either. And Cam Johnson. Can we do it? He sure can. 29 points, 7 threes, 3 steals, a block, 0 turnovers. Cam Johnson leaps from number 98 prior to yesterday all the way to 53 in one massive ball game. He got dropped in leagues. I picked him up in two leagues. Like, oh, what the hell is this guy doing here? I thought I was going to get him in a third league, but I got outbid. Because I didn't realize anybody was paying attention at that point. It was actually on an off day for Phoenix. I was like, oh, cool, Cam Johnson. He's just hanging out over here. Uh, so I put in a kind of a stupid low bid of like eight or nine out of 100. Like, oh, man, I really regret that one. Because that's, that's like a 20. You got to go 20 or higher. We're talking about someone who's probably top 75 range at the end of the year. And he was just floating around on like 30% of the waiver wires in roto leaks, no less. All because he had a weird hip and Monty Williams had a quote that was like, oh, yeah, like it's going to take him a little time to get right. It took like a week. Mikel Bridges, good again. Chris Paul finally had a couple of shots, missed a couple of free throws. I'm picking on you, Chris. I'm picking on you because I know, I know how good this can be. And he's not there yet. He's number 50 right now because he's shooting 36%. Chris Paul's a very easy buy low. He's not going to shoot 36% for the year. But he's averaging only 1.7 turnovers and 11 assists per ball game. If you wonder why, why I like turnovers as a category, it's because a guy like Chris Paul should get a fantasy boost for being a brilliant distributor who doesn't give the ball to the other team. That should matter. Bismarck Biombo, only four rebounds, but he did block four shots and didn't have to shoot a free throw. That's the real key there. If he's going to play 30 minutes, he deserves to be added while DeAndre Ayton is out. Jock Landale definitely doesn't. Biombo probably doesn't. That's the way I'm leaning on this one anyway, to kind of just leave it alone. Unless your team is, like, badly starved for blocks. 
That's the one way you look at it and you're like, all right, I'll throw him on my team. But we know enough about Biz's stat profile over the years to know that he's probably going to do more damage than good to your fantasy team because his free throws are awful. And like if he go and even right now the rebounding could be a little bit better, but like that'll be fine. The rebounding tends to be okay. And if he has a bad ball game, Landell comes in and plays half the night. Like eleven blocks in three games is good. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fault Biombo on that side. And so over the last week he's been a top sixty guy basically since Aiton went down. But four blocks a game, three and a half blocks a game, whatever you're looking at here, that's not gonna last. It's just not. And Aiden should be back in the not too distant future. If you want to take the plunge, I won't kill you. Just make sure you know what you're getting yourself into. You need to be able to deal with his free throw stuff, deal with whatever else is going on there, and then you got to be hunting blocks effectively. That's the news from yesterday. I do, because that was a short Tuesday, I do want to take a second to do a little look ahead. We don't do this on every show, but when there's a short recap card, it does kind of afford us the opportunity to look at the next one. Here are some of the big things I'm looking at on this. I'm going to call it a big Wednesday, but I already said big things, so I don't know. Deal with it. Hey, I do want to remind you guys, we got a BOGO offer going. Did I do that? Did I tell you guys about that on the podcast already? I, I don't, Oopsies. I might have forgotten. Every premium membership at Sports Ethos is on a buy one, get one offer right now. The promo code is BOGO, B-O-G-O. Any, any premium subscription. You want full season fantasy in the fantasy pass? BOGO. You want DFS? BOGO. You want wagering? BOGO. I would, first of all, I love the fantasy pass. I love everything about it. You get access to the pros with the question and answer stuff. You get our instant reaction threads over in Discord. But I actually think you guys should be trying out the wager pass. Those guys are freaking good. The Every single wager pass pro that handicaps the NFL. I think there's four of them that do NFL. They are each in the positive individually this year. All of them. And then together, they're up 30 units in the NFL. We're through what? Nine? Nine weeks? Eight weeks? I think it's eight weeks. Yeah, my, my terrible fantasy football team is three and five. It's eight weeks. We're eight weeks in. How can we keep track of how many weeks they are? Look at Dan's awful fantasy football team. I don't know who these people are. Who the hell are these guys on my team? I don't know any of these players. I'm so out of touch on the NFL. It's really, it's quite silly. But uh, 30 units, folks. And I would think that for most of you, the, like the smallest unit we're talking about is about 10 bucks. If you're betting on sports. If you go any smaller than that, you really can't afford to pay for advice because it becomes too large of a of a fraction. But uh, first of all, the wager pass is only 15 bucks a month to begin with. And right now, with the BOGO coupon, you get the first month for 15 you get the second month free, which is effectively how long the NFL season has gone so far. And those guys have won 30 units. So if you, even if you're going as small as $10 per bet, you're up 300 bucks on their NFL plays. And many of you are probably going higher, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, whatever. A lot of websites they just they list it as $100 as the standard bet that it would be that would make my sphincter pucker so tight I wouldn't be able to stand up out of my office chair. But a lot of websites do that. That's a $3,000 profit. You think you can afford 
15 bucks for two months on the wager pass. Go to sportsethos.com. Check out some of that stuff. Use the, use the BOGO coupon, and all of it is cancelable on demand right now. There's no, no season lock, nothing like that, because the season started. This is very much like a tryout kind of thing. Fantasy Pass is $6 a month. BOGO, you get it for 3 bucks a month for those two months. 6 bucks and then 0 Or 3 and 3 I can't remember what the actual commerce app does. Regardless, go check it out. All right, so Wednesday night, big Wednesday. Here what we got coming up. Uh, with 22 teams in action, there are a few things that I think you really want to look at. There's a lot of little things going on, a lot of little stuff, but the big things is where you want to focus your attention. Is there a player I could hunt down that would have rest-of-season appeal? There are plenty of super stream-type guys happening, and we're going we're gonna to do more of that in Discord, and we're going to do more of that later in the day on Twitter. But in terms of the big storylines, to me... De'Anthony Melton and what he does when Embiid is in is still a storyline. I love Melton. I think he's a must-start guy in basically every format everywhere. But he's also playing above himself in terms of low turnovers, good field goal, and free throw percent. Those things could come down a little, and you would need more Melton to cover for that. Big Al is a storyline. Dude's just not getting any defensive stats so far this year. That's a hard one to reconcile because... Like, if, if someone was just shooting terribly, it's really easy to just be like, oh, well, that number's going to bounce back. Well, like, defensive stats, someone might just say, maybe this is the year that he slows down a little bit, because dude isn't that much younger than I am, and I don't move very well. But at the same time, starters minutes, he's averaged two defensive stats per game in his career. And recently, last year, actually, he was at two, exactly. Previous year, he's at 1.8. Previous year, 1.7. And that was like kind of the low watermark in Philadelphia when he was playing mostly power forward. Al Horford has not averaged fewer than 0.9 blocks per game in any season in his NBA career. And the two times he did that was as a power forward in Philly and playing just 27 some odd minutes a game in Oklahoma City when they were in full rebuild and it was showcase Al, don't get hurt, get him out of the ball game. Every other year, he's been 1.1 to 1.5. He's at 0.6 this season. Every year of Al Horford's career, he's averaged between 0.6 and 1.1 steals per game. This year, he has none through five games. His usage is lower. That is an area for concern. The assists are down from 3.5 to 1.8. Shots per game down from 8.2 to 6.6. Everything else is pretty much where it needs to be. Uh, percentage-wise. He still hasn't shot a free throw this year, by the way. But, you know, from the field, he's been kind of where he's at the last two or three years. Well, he's been taking more three-pointers. Rebounds are down. He's at only five. Last year, he was at 7.7. These things are going to improve. Steals are going to improve. Blocks are going to improve. Rebounding is going to improve. I don't know about assists and, and shots per game. You know, it's possible that they just sort of changed the makeup of where the shots are going. But I would guess that they will also improve a little bit. The question is, how does it happen? Is there going to be one gigantor game? Is it just going to be this quiet plod in the right direction? Don't drop him, though. This is Horford we're talking about. He's a starting center in the NBA. You don't just drop that type of guy. Sometimes it takes some dudes a little bit longer to get to their season norm. Hey, is Darius Garland back today? That would be... Probably a smaller thing, because I think we know... Like, Karis LeVert was barely hanging on to value anyway, and 
he's likely to vanish after that comes back. Uh, the Knicks, they have small stuff there. It's still all the heart and st- uh, stuff with, with Mitchell Robinson, etc. Sacramento, Darren Fox, I think, is actually a, a bigger one for me. I want to see what Davion Mitchell can do. If, if he gets assists, then he's a super stream. If he doesn't, his fantasy stat set might not work itself out. I might actually let this ball game go. I'll pick him up, put him on my bench. But I, I think I'd like to see how he looks. Because he's not like, at the end of last season, Davion Mitchell put up gigantic numbers, but he was basically the point guard at that point. Now, it's kind of point guard in name only, in that they'll run their offense through Demonis Sabonis, and then Kevin Herter's been doing a lot of offense running for the Kings so far this year. The Clippers! The Clippers are a lot of question marks. We got a, guys that may or may not be in the ball game. I can't, we can't get into too much of that on the podcast. We just sort of don't know right now. Uh, Houston, not much going on there. You got some young guys that are way underperforming. I would rather trade for Jabari Smith than for Jalen Green. It's a stat set thing. Milwaukee and the unbelievable resurgence of Brooke Lopez is a pretty hilarious story, but it's not a big thing to watch tonight. Toronto, Freddie Van Fleet's status is a thing to watch and how that impacts someone like Chris Boucher. Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell out for San Antonio. They got to lose a few games. They've been too damn good also. Spurs are 5-2. and two. That's the worst tank job I've ever seen in my life. Except for maybe the Jazz at 6-2. and two. But they're not really technically tanking yet. The Jazz have enough guys on that team to where they can be like, all right, we'll just ride this thing out. Spurs don't. This is the teardown. They got rid of DeJounte Murray. And and it's all youth there now. It's not like with the Jazz where they brought back, I don't want to say veterans, but they still have a bunch. Conley's a veteran. Clarkson's a veteran. Markkinen's like kind of a semi-veteran. Sexton has been around for a few years. It's a little different. Spurs, got to start losing. But sounds like Josh Richardson is back. So there's your monster super stream of the day. Just enjoy that one. Uh, Charlotte, not much. Chicago, not much. Utah, not a ton there either. Dallas, is is the last ballgame the start of Dorian Finney-Smith starting to be more comfortable out there? Christian Wood sounded like he was doubtful, but he feels better today. So he's been upgraded. I think he might have been as high as probable at the moment. Grizzlies, it's really just about who's playing and who's not out there. Portland, no Dame. I haven't had an update on him, although that should be coming uh, relatively soon. And then uh, Pels and Lakers, you know, <laughs> this should be a trouncing. We'll see, I guess. Um, curious who's in and who's out for New Orleans. So there's a lot of health stuff on the board today, but uh, Big Al is a big one for me. Melton is a big one for me. Uh, the Fox injury is a big one. Kawhi's status? I haven't heard anything about Kawhi. We knew he was out earlier this week. I think he's day-to-day still, so I'm going to assume he's out, but, you know, whatever. I guess we're in that part of the year. I didn't realize we were at that part of the season yet, but we're two weeks in. We're through the hubbub of the first, you know, three to five games. Who's going to emerge as the mega surprise? And by the way, that is Bull Bull. There's no question about that. He's like the one guy with good fantasy numbers that was unilaterally not drafted. And then there's a bunch of streamers in that top area, but we sort of can't truly count them. And now that things have settled, now we're in the what do we do with the news of the day 
But it's all an ebb and a flow. And so the last thought I'll leave you guys with here on this Wednesday show, the ebb and flow of a fantasy season. Those of you that listen to this show over the last few years, you know what I'm talking about, but I, I think it's, it's worth repeating here. During an NBA season, there are crests and valleys of where players either are emerging as fantasy assets or nothing really happening on that front. And when I phrase it like that, what I, what I mean to try to make it a little bit more clear, there are stretches where full season, meaning rest of season guys, pop up like a bowl bowl at the beginning of the year. Uh, and then there are other guys, like, we could throw other examples in there of, of, like, Kevin Herter is a guy who's popping up as a possible full season or rest of season fantasy asset who folks didn't see coming. Royce O'Neal was not drafted in a lot of leagues. He's looking like he could be an actual rest of season type of guy. There's usually a handful of those at the beginning of the year. And then you go through a patch where really all you're focusing on is injury stuff. It's it's guys resting, it's guys with minor things, it's guys with like just slightly above minor things, and how can you cash in on those scenarios? So this this concept of the super stream, which you know, it's a dumb name for it, but to me that's when a uh, one player sees a massive per game fantasy boost when someone else is out. We're collecting these first couple of weeks we're collecting data on what teams look like when certain guys sit so that we have that information for the next time it happens. But when someone's out for a week or two weeks, like with Garland or Terry Rozier or Vassell out in San Antonio, and we can collect the data and act on it all in one fell swoop, well, that's glorious. But that's the type of the, that's where we're at in the season right now. We're looking for super streams to act on as quickly as we can. Because good super streams on your fantasy team, be it head-to-head or Roto, on the Roto side, it allows you to bench guys on your team that are underperforming, but you don't want to have to throw them onto the waiver wire. On the head-to-head side, those dudes are just going to carry you to extra wins in a given week. They're super valuable. They're more valuable than schedule streams because they're just going to do more with their time. It also allows you to schedule stream Slightly less terrible players on your club who maybe you would, under normal circumstances, have to just sort of play them for three or four days. So that's the part of the season we're in right now. That's why I wanted to do the look ahead because I wanted to get to that main point. Let's have a great Wednesday, everybody. Big Wednesday. We'll do a lot of stuff over on Twitter and for premium subs in Discord. I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter. Please drop a five-star review on the pod. Hey, Recruiting continues. You can hit me up with, for that as well. I lose track of everything in TweetDeck. So uh, if you can put things in our forums, that's also really helpful. That's over at sportsethos.com. You click on the forums button, but whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you guys about it on Twitter. Provided it still exists in <laughs> 24 hours. We can all go pay $8 for a blue check mark now. All right. Uh, have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll talk to you Thursday morning. So long.